This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. From time to time, we need to study on some things as a church, and maybe you're visiting here today and you're not a member of this church, and it's not that we want to leave you out, but from time to time, we need to study things that are specific, and if you consider yourself a member of the Lord's church, I think this is a very important subject that I want to talk with you openly and frankly about. A couple of years ago, uh, a young couple run into me. I went to a funeral and they came up and said, we need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And so we kind of scooted over to one side and I said, what's going on? They said, we want you to come work with our church. And I said, okay. And I said, uh, I'd be happy to do that. I, I said, what's going on at your church? And they said, we're dying. I said, you're dying. They said, yes, we're just dying. And I said, well, that don't sound too good. That don't, that don't sound great. And so we proceeded to have some discussions about what all was happening and what was going on and what they hoped would happen, what they were wanting to see happen. And so when I ask you today, uh, the question is, is this church thriving? Are we thriving? Are we dying? Are we somewhere in the middle? There. And so hopefully as we study today, not only can we learn a little bit about thriving churches and, and what they do, but we can commit ourselves to that. And I want to ask you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I want to use this kind of for our study and to frame the thoughts of our hearts this afternoon. He says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Now, I want you to take note specifically, this is Acts chapter 9. If we were to look at Acts chapter 8, which we will just here shortly, there was a great persecution against the church. A great persecution. And there were people that were Jews who absolutely hated the church, and later on there were Romans who hated the church. But I want you to notice that this church right here, he's when speaking of it, he says they were multiplied. I want to ask you a question. Does that mean there was one more Christian? I just got a text a while ago and, and a brother in Christ said we had a baptism today. We've got a new, new Christian. I said, that's wonderful. Would you say we're multiplied? Is that multiplied? We'd probably all go, no. That's one more. We need multiple more. We need tens more or hundreds more. Would it, would it mean that there was one more church to read this passage that walking in the fear of the Lord, these folks are being edified and they're multiplied. In other words, they're growing and growing. Does it mean one more Christian, one more church or two more? How many more does there have to be for us to say we're thriving, we're multiplying the sense and the idea. And I want to go with you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 13, 
Beginning in verse 31, he says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like... Now, the Lord said this quite a few times. If you're familiar with studying what the parables of the Lord were, he says, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, something that was very common, something that was tiny, a tiny little seed. And he says to the people, Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like, this little tiny grain of mustard seed. And you read that and you go, Well, how? What are you talking about? How is that like the kingdom of heaven? And he goes on to describe, he says, which a man took and sowed in his field. He took a seed and he sowed it in the field. He said, that's what the kingdom of heaven like. It started out real small and it was born and began, as we read in Acts chapter 2, just on one sermon. One sermon. And Peter preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in one sermon. And from that it sprouted. You see, and begin to grow. He says, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, becometh the tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. He says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a kingdom of growth. Not of a little dribble of growth, but of exponential growth from something that started out very tiny, something that started out really small until it filled the whole world. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom that I'm a part of, and that's the kingdom that you're a part of, and it should be a kingdom that thrived. That seemed to be the intention of our Lord. In Luke chapter 8, verse 8, he says, Other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit, and hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I want to ask you a question. What's a hundredfold? What's thirtyfold? What's tenfold? Have we grown a hundredfold in the last year? Have we lost? You know, I used to call different churches, work on that church directory, and there's one congregation in particular I'd call, and I'd talk to this older gentleman, this older brother, and every time that I called him, every two or three years I'd call, he'd say, next time when you call, we'll be dead. Next time you call me, we won't exist. I said, that ain't a very good plan. It ain't a very good, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like the things that I read about in Scripture about the nature of the kingdom. So I want to ask you today, are we thriving? Are you thriving as we should be? Or are we dying? And so it leads me to the next question. What makes the church thrive? People have thought all kinds of different, have all kinds of different ideas, and people have put mountains and mountains of thought into what can we do to make our church thrive? What can we do? And I went and talked to a fellow one time about the church, and he was discouraged, and he said, Location, location, location. He said, Our church has got a bad location. And he said, If we could just move, we'd just we'd grow and we'd thrive. And I said, I don't believe it's true. I'm certainly part of it. Not just location is going to make you grow. You're going to have some good teaching along the way. You certainly got to be teaching truth. And there's probably other things that goes into it. People tell me all the time, we ain't got any young kids. 
we don't have any young kids. I said, you're in trouble. If you don't have any young kids, you're in trouble. I'm sure thankful we got young kids. And, and to all you young mothers, don't worry about your baby crying. I'm going to tell you, babies crying is music to the ears of folks in church who care about the church and who love the church. We got to have young people. What makes churches thrive? What makes churches die? You know, in Acts chapter 16, as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees to keep. Do you notice specifically what the apostles were doing here? They're teaching, are they not? They're instructing the church on here's what you need to do. Here are things that you need to do. And so they delivered the decrees to teach, he says, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So they said, here's what you need to be doing. Here's what the scripture says do. And they taught them and they instructed them. And the expectation was that you'll do it. That the church will do these things. Then I want you to notice the verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Daily. I sat down with an old brother in the church some years ago now, and he said, nobody cares about the gospel anymore. He said, nobody's interested. Nobody cares at all. And I says to him, I don't agree with you. I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that. He said, I do. I said, what makes you believe that? He said, you know, used to whenever you turned on the TV and you watched a football game, on the TV, somebody would hold up a sign that said John 3.16. And he said the camera would come by and you'd see somebody holding that sign. He said, you don't see that anymore, do you? I said, well, I don't know. I watch football, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch football. I said, I don't think that has to do so much with whether or not somebody's interested in the gospel. So I went home that day. And I decided I was going to start keeping track of when there's a baptism from that day. And from that day to this day, I have written down 1,107 baptisms. 1,107. That's not bad, is it? That was June of 2015. Not quite seven years. 1,100 people have obeyed the gospel. I dare say people are interested. I will tell you, I believe people are interested. I believe people want to know. I believe there are people in this world who are dying to hear the words of truth. But I'm going to tell you something. I think things have got to be just today like they were then. We've got to take the scriptures, the word of God. We've got to listen to those words and we've got to do them if our church is going to thrive. I reference Acts chapter 8. Verses 3 and 4, Saul made havoc of the church. Havoc of the church. And he tried to destroy the church and persecute the church. And he put Christians to death. He throwed people just like you into prison. And those same Christians, what'd they do? They went everywhere preaching the word. They followed this idea of planting a seed. And so they went out and they planted the seed in the hearts of men and women and they taught the gospel to men and women. And along the way, men and women obeyed the gospel. And so we got Acts chapter 8 right here. And if you back up where we begin today in Acts chapter 9, one chapter later, they were multiplied. 
Why? Because people were teaching and they were preaching. So I want to submit to you today something very simple, certainly not revolutionary. What makes the church thrive? Strong leadership. You need good leadership. And number two, you need highly active members. Highly active members. And if we have strong leadership and highly active members, I believe we'll thrive. Now, you may be sitting there and say, Preacher, we got to have truth. I think that goes without saying. I think that's given. we got to have truth. But I want this to be simple, and I believe this is simple. If we've got good leadership, if we've got godly leadership, and we've got a membership who's devoted and highly active, I think we're going to grow. And I will show you a case in point, which is Ephesians chapter 4. And it's a chapter that I think is very important. It's a very sound chapter, and it's one we should certainly think about a great deal. Verse 16, he says, From whom the whole body, he's talking about the church, Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. A body is, what he's using as illustration is the physical body. We're made up of joints. And it, it gives us the ability to move and work and act. And every joint supplies something. I don't know if you knew that or not. Every joint, from the littlest joint like your pinky here, to your elbows and your knees and all the joints down your back, it supplies something. It supplies a range of motion. It supplies movement and energy. It supplies activity. And I want you to notice he describes the body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. The pinky don't have near as big a share as the knee, does it? different doesn't have as much muscle doesn't have as much bone there's not as many tendons or nerves there as the knee but it's got a share it's got a part to play and then I want you to notice what he lines up with causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love and it all goes back within Acts chapter 9 that we've talked about Acts chapter 16 that if we have good leadership and highly active members then it stands the reason that we're going to grow we're going to thrive I want to break this down a little further. The effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body. Effective working. People working. People striving. Everyone doing their part. Every single person contributes to the production of the church. Every person. The more effort each of us puts in to it, the better it will be. The more effort that you put into the church, the better this church will be. And that goes for every single person here. From the youngest to the oldest. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager or you've got more experience. The idea from Ephesians chapter 4 is that every one of us needs to be contributing. We need to be striving for a church to thrive. That's the idea from the passage. And for a church to thrive, no one can be idle.
It's pretty common in this world that we live in today for people to come to a church to be served. Serve me. Feed me. Sing to me and pray for me. And some people, I'm not saying that's you, but some people come to a place like this just to be served. But I'm going to tell you, that doesn't seem to be the principle from Scripture. It's certainly not the principle and the concept from Ephesians chapter 4. So maybe if we could change anyone's ideas today about that, the best thing we could do is say, you need to have the attitude of, what can I do to make this place better? What can I do to help you to grow? What can I do to help you along this pathway of life? What can I do for you to help you as a body, as a whole, as, as we're all functioning together? Because for a church to thrive, no one can be idle. Let me tell you something. This church, these young, this young couple came to me and talked to me about was full of idle people. It's not too hard to look at it and define the problem. They didn't have good leadership and they had a bunch of people who wasn't doing nothing. It's just a cold hard truth. Every single person is critical to the success of this church. Every single one of you. I think we've got good leadership. I believe we're blessed with good leaders. And it's not wise. We need to be careful. You should take this as a warning. To sit around and think. Well we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. We got our building paid for. We got 80 or 90 people. That's pretty good. We need to have the attitude of this is critical. We need to be working. We need to be striving together. We need to flourish together. There's people in this community that are lost. And for a congregation to thrive, no one can be idle. For a congregation to thrive, you must all contribute. I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about your time and your talents and your love and care for one another. If we're going to thrive, we're going to have to work together to do that. And if someone's not doing their share, then only two things can happen. I want you to listen to me carefully. If someone's not doing their part then there's only two things can happen. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you what those are. Somebody's overworked. If we're not all doing our share, then somebody's trying to pick up the slack. And number two, the only other thing that can happen is we just can't meet production. We can't do everything that we need to do. I want to tell you, there's a lot of things churches need to do to thrive. <clears throat> churches thrive when the membership and the leadership embrace the work and work hard. Work hard. <clears throat> so I want to talk to you just a minute about the work of the church. 
1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. What's he describing there? He's describing the work of the gospel. We might refer to it today as personal work. We might describe it as inviting someone to church or doing a Bible study with someone. But this is what he's describing. It's just in a little bit different terms. I have planted. What did he plant? The Word of God. He planted a seed of God's Word into somebody's mind. He said Apollos watered. What did Apollos do? Apollos followed along after somebody taught the Word of God to somebody else and he gave them some encouragement. This is church work, 101. Do Bible studies with people. Visit with people about the scriptures. Invite them to church. Be good to them. This is church work 101. Verse 7. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. We got a promise here from God that if we'll do that work and we'll put in the effort, God will give the increase. That's the idea. He says, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And then he says in verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, you are God's building. And so the concept that we have here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that the apostle describes is church members, you And me, as we take opportunity every day in our community, in our home, at our place of work, we talk to somebody about the Lord. We tell somebody the story of Jesus. We plant a seed of God's word to someone. Say, hey, I just want to invite you to church. I'd like to sit down and talk to you. It's very simple. That's what he's describing here as working together and laboring together. And these seeds are planted along the way and somebody else comes along and waters them and eventually God's going to give the increase. That's the idea that we have here in Scripture. So I ask you a question. What makes people plant and water? What makes people take the time to do that? Luke chapter 10 In verse 27, he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, thy neighbor as thyself. I'll tell you what I think compels people to do this is is just love. We care about people. People struggle. People have heartaches. People are deceived. People have been taught things that are not true. People have never been taught at all. And they need someone to come in their life and share the Word of God and teach them a little bit of the Word of God and show them the Word of God because the Word of the Lord will change people. And God, if we do our part, which is planting water, will give the increase. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thine whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Where's your treasure? You know, there's some people in this world, it'd be challenging to have a a religious discussion with them. 
It'd be, it'd be really hard for some people. You know why? Because they don't know anything about the Bible. They're not religious. And frankly, they don't care about religious things. It's really hard. Really hard. But you could go up to those people and you could say, how about the, the cowboys? And they'd talk to you. Have you been fishing lately? They'd tell you something. You could talk to them about old cars or horses or most any other thing. You certainly talk to them about food or tacos or all those kinds of things. You could have a conversation. Some of those people would be really hard. Why? Because of what they're about. And that's what he's describing here about thine eye. The light of the body is the eye. There's something in you that lights you up and it's what you're about. It's what you're about. And if you're about Jesus, and that's what you're about, and if you love the Lord, then it's pretty hard to get away from talking about it. Zane talked about liking basketball. He did like it. You know, we encouraged him to like it. And about the time he was there in high school and and college, you probably would have had a real hard time visiting with him five or ten minutes without talking about basketball. He liked it. I know people that are way about rodeo. You sit down and you go talking to them folks. I mean, they got kids named Spur and Roper. and I mean, man, they're, they're into it, folks. Not Rodeo's not wrong. I'm just talking about... If we really love the Lord and if it's what we're about, we're going to go out and do these things. It's what the Lord's describing here. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. No man, he says, can serve two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other, else he will hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I want to tell you, churches that I go to that are not thriving, congregations that are dying have got two problems. They don't got leadership. Or they got a membership that's not active. And it's real. We're going to get out of the church how much we put into it. And if you want this church to thrive, then it's going to take effort. That's what it's going to take. Verse 19 of Matthew 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. We need to lay up treasure in heaven. Let's put our effort into heavenly treasure. Let's make a difference in someone's life. Talk to your friends and talk to your neighbors and talk to your co-workers and say, Hey, I need to talk to you about something that's really important to me. Colossians 2 Verses 18 and 19. This is a whole lot like Ephesians 4 verse 16 that we talked about just a while ago. Let no man beguile you of your reward. And a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. Intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Well he gives them a little warning here. Now I want you to notice verse 19. And not holding the head from which all the body... By joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered, and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. The whole body, by joints and bands, 
having nourishment ministered and knit together, increase with the increase of God. What is the increase of God? God blesses our efforts. I've probably got a little bit different perspective than, than some of you. I've, my living the last 25 years has been going from congregation to congregation and trying to help congregations grow. And I go from congregation to congregation, I see different things. I see congregations that are growing and thriving, and I see ones that are dying. And I look at congregations that are dying, and I look at them, and I think to myself, what can I do to try to help these folks to grow? Because I don't want to see them die. You don't want to see them die. I come to a congregation like ours. I don't believe we're dying. Not by any means are we dying. But could we be better? Can we grow more? I think certainly. And I want you to notice what he describes. The body by joints and bands. Having nourishment. Ministered and knit together. He it's a whole long wordy way of saying work, effort. That's what he's describing. And I just want you to know today there's no magic pill. There ain't no magic pill to grow. I'll tell you, there was a lot of people who felt like Facebook was a magic pill. And then if our church just got a Facebook page, we'd just grow and grow and grow. It didn't happen that way, and it's not. Facebook's just a little piece of the puzzle. I'm going to ask you to get out your Bible. I'm going to have these verses up on the screen. But I'm going to ask you to get out your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 16. And we're going to read about a church and a group of people in the church right here at Rome. Romans 16, I want to start in verse 1. The apostle says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. You ever heard of Phoebe? I mean, I, we've read her name. I know how to pronounce the name. There's some names coming up here in a minute. I'll have a hard time pronouncing. Who was she? Was she young or old? Married or not? We don't know. But I want you to notice what he says, which is a servant of the church, which is at Chinchuria. What does that tell you about this woman? She's dedicated to the church, wasn't she? She actively served the church. Her will and her desire was to help the church to grow. Notice verse 2. That ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints. That ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer of many and of myself also. I don't know about you I don't know a whole lot about Phoebe. I don't know what she looked like or nothing, but I do know this. I'd like to have her here. This gal was a servant. And not only that, she comforted people. I think that's what it means to succor. She was a comforter to people. And I want you to notice that the apostle gives instructions to help this woman. Because by helping her, they were helping the church. That's Phoebe. Number three, greet Priscilla and Aquila, 
my helpers in Christ Jesus. Well, I remember Priscilla and Aquila. I remember reading about them. Priscilla and Aquila were a, a couple who heard a man preach named Apollos. And after they heard this preacher get up and preach, they said what he preached wasn't right. And as soon as church was over, they went to him and said, we got to talk to you, buddy. And they took Apollos and they taught him. These, this couple taught the preacher is what this couple did. You talk about brave. Now, they were brave. And I want to keep reading here. Verse 4, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Now, this couple right here, they were servants, evidently. They were not afraid to risk their own lives. They were the kind of couple who were going to get up and talk to the preacher and say, I want to make sure I heard you say what I think you said. And then they backed it up with Scripture. Now, I want to keep reading about this couple. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So these were the kind of people who had a group of Christians that lived in their home. They were teaching the people in their family. And maybe they had servants or maybe they had employees there. They taught those kind of people. This is what Aquila and Priscilla was. I want to keep going down there at the end. Salute my well-beloved Papinatus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Verse 6. Greet Mary. Who bestowed much labor on us. We don't know much about these people. What did she do? I don't know. I just know that the apostle Paul says she was a worker. And she worked for us. She helped us. She labored for us. Seven. Salute Adronicus and Junia my kinsmen's and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. The apostle goes on to speak of Andronicus and Junia. I don't, we don't know much about them. I don't know that they were preachers or elders or what they were really. They evidently were people who were part of the core group. Evidently these were people who he says were fellow prisoners. Uh, perhaps they were arrested or imprisoned in some way, just like the Apostle Paul. Verse 8, greet Amphilus, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Statius, my beloved. These were people evidently that were very special to the Apostle. Special because they had worked together. Special because they were helpers to one another. Maybe they encouraged. Maybe they prayed. Maybe this person, Urbane, I don't know. Maybe he opened up his wallet and wrote a check to help the Apostle Paul to travel. We don't know what they did exactly. We just know they were working together because it takes joints and bands. It takes every part of the church to make a church thrive. And so we've got one person after the next person after the next person who that we read about in this chapter were working and serving and helping. Verse 10, salute Apellus, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herod my kinsmen greet them that be of the household of Narcissus which are in the Lord how did the apostle Paul have a relationship with all these people do you think it was football 
or barbecue or fishing? You think he was part of the quilting club with these folks? No. They worked together to build a church. They worked together to plant and water. That's what, that's what he's describing. I mean, we read these chapters in the New Testament. Sometimes we read them without any feeling at all. And maybe I'm way off, but it just seems to me like we're talking about a family of people who all had in mind to make a church grow, who had dedicated their selves and their lives and their wealth and their families to the work of the church. And my friend, that's what makes churches thrive. Thirteen, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Salutus and Cretus, Philigon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes and the brethren which are with them. What do we know about these people? Practically nothing. We know that the Apostle Paul mentions them. Why? Because they were lazy? Because they didn't have the courage to ask somebody to do a Bible study? Certainly not. This next one's hard. Verse 15. Salute Philologus and Julia, Nerus and his sister and Olympias, and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. What do we get from this, this chapter and all these people? Don't you wish you could see their face or have been in their homes or heard them do a Bible study or watched one of these guys get up and baptize somebody? What do we know? Not much. I'm going to tell you, when we read about these people, what we're reading about is a core group of people who were dedicated to the church. You know, every congregation has a core. A group of people that are dedicated to everything. And not everyone's going to be in the core. And it's only logical that not everyone can be because some people come in and they're new and they just they, you can't be a part of the core immediately. I'll ask you a question. Are you a part of the core of this church? Are you a part of the core? I'll ask you another question. How do we grow the core? How do we make the core bigger? How do we help people to be more and more and more dedicated? You think they lack opportunity? Because I want to tell you something. I want this church to thrive. Because I think as churches go, churches that thrive typically have much stronger families, stronger children, stronger teenagers. Those families seem to me like they carry on from generation to generation to generation. That's what I want to see in my family. 
I want to see these young people, these young ladies and these young men. I want to see them get married and I want to see them marry well. Marry a spouse that's going to be dedicated and faithful. And I want to see them go off to college or trade school or whatever you want to do. And then as soon as you get done, I want to see you come back here. Sow a seed. (laughs) And help this church to thrive and help it to grow. Because as we grow and as it gets better and better, the core is going to get bigger and the church is going to get stronger and it's just logical. There's some reason, my friend, there's some reason that churches thrive and there's some reason that they die. And so the question is to you today, are you a part of the reason that we thrive? Or are you a part of the reason that we die? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.